This is Tim Tap, host of Tap Into the Truth that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Networks. Command codes verified. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border Politicians build a new world order Minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damned who win. Taking your right to self defense, they say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Hello, welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I'm your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and we are indeed live tonight as we are coming out across the airwaves in Columbia, South Carolina over WCET-FM. We are also live on the digital platforms of the lastfrequency.com, of zmaradio.com, uh, Liberty Talk FM. And, of course, the K-Star Talk Radio Network. And through those platforms, we reach yet other digital platforms. So we're around the world. We're live. We've got a big audience, always the biggest audience of the week. And so very glad to have you guys along for the ride. Now, if you are not into the Christmas spirit by this point in time, you're probably not going to get there. So if you're desperately still trying to, I heavily suggest you avoid all of the news. Because 
just right now ridiculousness. I'm glad I have guests to talk to you about their projects tonight because if we delve too far into the topics of the last two days in particular, man, not a lot to feel great about. But you know what? It's Christmas. We're going to talk to some great guests. Uh, what great guests, you may ask? Well, if you haven't monitored my social media uh, earlier today when I let everybody know who the scheduled guests were, today we've got Robert Spencer, which, of course, you guys know from Jihad Watch, and the nearly 30 different books he's written over the years. Uh, phenomenal guy coming back on. Uh, we're going to have a good conversation with his latest brand new book. Uh, we also have return guest, retired Marine pilot Colonel Eric Ferris Buer. Also returning prolific author and commentator Brandon Wichert will be joining us once again. And also returning tonight, Richard C. Lyons will be joining us now. We are going to touch on some news topics with those two guys, but we'll talk about their uh, other stuff that's ongoing as well. And uh, it should be should be a good evening, I think. I think we're going to have a lot of fun and have some good discussion points. But before we get into anything, before we bring Robert on, I need to spend just a second reminding you about our friends over at Four Patriots. I, I just boogied on over to fourpatriots.com backslash T-A-P-P to see the deals of the week, the preparedness deals. And, man, right now they've got the 72-hour survival food kit listed there. Uh, they've got the Halo XT tactical solar flashlights, the Patriot Power All-in-One Emergency Car Kit, which was ranked as the number one emergency car kit by Field & Stream this year. Uh, just throwing that out there. My personal favorite on my wish list that I'm going to have to break down again at some point, the Solar Go Fridge. And they've also got the Patriot Power Cell CX, which uh, Doug picked up a few of uh, just the other day. And he was we were talking before we went on air about how he thinks it's pretty cool, uh, how easy it is to get them charged up. They've got some other stuff, too. I don't have time to go into all of it, but you should go see for yourself. Look, whether you're looking to make sure that you have items that are going to continue to operate for you in case the power goes out and kind of stays off for a while, or you're worried about the fact that maybe the food supply chain might break down for a bit, regardless, it's good to have the preparedness items that you can enjoy now and that can literally save your life later. So visit our friends at 4 and please use the backslash T-A-P-P. It does let them know I sent you, but it also puts you on that page where you get to start out with deals of the day. Now, maybe you've finished your Christmas shopping, and I hope so, because if you're looking at 4Patriots for Christmas right now, you're going to be hard-pressed to get it to you in time before the holiday. But... That doesn't change the fact that maybe you know somebody that's on that list, uh, somebody that you care deeply about that's not doing the best of jobs of being prepared. Look for some stuff for them. It's a great place to get started. Plus, it's a great place for you to get started if you have fallen behind on that preparedness level. So one last time, give them a visit at the number four, fourpatriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. All right, we should be getting uh, hooked up with Robert pretty much any second now. Uh, in fact, oh, I'm getting the green light. We got the thumbs up. So without any further ado, 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, returning, although it has been a while, he is the author of the brand new book, Empire of God, How the Byzantines Saved Civilization, as well as a multitude of other bestsellers, ranging from the history of jihad, the Palestinian delusion, Did Mohammed Exist?, He's led seminars for the FBI and the U.S. Central Command, the U.S. Army Command, and the General Staff College. He has led the Asymmetric Warfare Group and uh, the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Uh, this man, it's fair to say that he is an expert in the field. Now, my personal daily favorite, <coughs> excuse me, he's the director of Jihad Watch. And if you have not signed up for their newsletter, you really need to. Now, with all that being said, he's still just one heck of a scholar, and he's a great, great person to talk to if you need to know anything about the realm of historical reference to the Byzantine Empire and anything to do with Islam. So, ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, please welcome back Mr. Robert Spencer. Uh Robert, thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight, especially so close to the holiday. Uh, how are you doing today? Just great. Good to talk to you again, my friend. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, uh, and uh, glad, very glad to have an opportunity to get to talk to you about the, the new book, uh, Empire of God. I, I do uh, – my first uh, impression as soon as I saw this, uh, of course, uh, it became available back in November, so it's – Still relatively new, but uh, folks have had a chance to take a look at it. But it occurred to me just by seeing the title that the Byzantine section of the Roman Empire, how, how everything played out during this time frame, it often gets overlooked. In fact, most people, if they're students of world history, the Byzantines still continue to be overlooked. But as you pointed out, these guys actually they, – they did something that – very few civilizations managed to do uh, in their longevity and uh, their their ability to adapt to ideas and to move forward in what at the time would have been considered progressive thought. But uh, we, we don't like that terminology these days for obvious reasons. The, the term has been hijacked. But uh, you make some great points about the fact that the United States possibly wouldn't even exist today uh, if it wasn't for the Byzantines. So uh, let me start off by asking you uh, exactly what was it that led you to write this book at this time? Because you know, it, it's a topic that I think often is so overlooked. Well, you know, Tim, I was thinking that uh, one of the big problems that America faces today is that people don't know history, particularly young people. And so we see – all these young people marching for Hamas, and we see them tearing down statues of the Founding Fathers, and you realize all that they've been taught ever about the Founding Fathers is that they were racist slave owners. They don't have any appreciation of what Western civilization has brought to the world. They think that it's been an evil force, that the United States is also an evil force. So I thought what we need is to have people writing real history that helps people to recover an appreciation of the uh, historical, the heritage, the history of the West, how we got here, and so on. And the Byzantine Empire is much overlooked, as you noted, but take, for example, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. They knew all about it. They studied the law code of the Emperor Justinian, which was the law code of the Byzantine Empire, when they were formulating the American Constitution. 
There are many, many other ways in which the Byzantines have influenced the world we live in today. And we need to recover an appreciation for that kind of thing at this time because this is one of the fronts on which the left is attacking us. Yeah. Well, I I mean, clearly there is a need, but it still seems uh, like there had to be some particular trigger that said, okay, let's talk about the Byzantines. Uh, I mean, uh, it's easy to focus on uh, the Greeks' influence on Western civilization. A lot of folks, in fact, you yourself point out quite frequently about the Jewish influence, especially on our religious uh, aspects here in Western society, uh, because all of Christianity is still based on uh, Judaism. And there is a certain amount of Islam as well that borrows from those traditions, and and uh, you know, we, we see that. A lot of folks know and think about Rome in particular, but the the Byzantines makes for a a very unique combination of historical timing and longevity. So uh, what was it that stood out to you specifically about the Byzantines? Uh, Is is it that longevity? Is it that uh, thought process that was uh, leading down the path to Western civilization, or was it just a unique combination of that and something else? Well, that was certainly a big part of it. If the United States lasts as long as the Byzantine Empire, it would last until the year 2899, which I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any Americans who would think that right now in this time of national crisis. But also it's because I started to think about how many of the same challenges we face today that they faced in the Byzantine Empire and were able to overcome. For example, Islamic Jihad that I've been dealing with all these years. Uh, The Byzantines stood against the jihadis, same jihadis, same ideology that hit Israel on October 7th and hit us on 9-11, and they stood against them for 800 years. If they hadn't, then Europe never would have developed Western civilization as we know it, and that wouldn't have gone out into the world with the ideas of the equality of rights of all people before the law, the freedom of speech, and so on. And so that's one thing. And also the idea of self-defense, of building walls. They had walls around the capital city, Constantinople, which in those days before air power was enough to keep invaders out, helped to keep the uh, empire strong for all those years. And I was thinking, isn't that funny? Nobody ever said, hey, this wall is racist or, (laughs) you know, we we can't have walls. We have to have bridges between people, all the nonsense that people say today. So I thought also... You know, for example, the money that the Byzantine money, the the primary coins that were circulating in the empire had the same value for 700 years. So that's kind of staggering if you think about it. Imagine if the dollar today were worth exactly the same that it was worth in the year 1323 and had never changed in between. And imagine the implications of that. There would be no inflation, no economic instability. The economy would be booming because people would know how much they would need to save and how much they were able to spend. The stability would bring an amazing amount of prosperity, as it did to the Byzantine Empire. That's a lesson we should learn, could learn, but have completely forgotten. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is unfortunate that uh, so many people 
uh, are ignorant of that fact. And you use the terminology forgotten, but I think the real problem is that there's so many people that have never been taught that in the first place. And I think that is a direct result of an intentional dumbing down of the public. Uh, but uh, that's not really our topic today. I do think that it is important, though, that voices like yourself make a point of having this information available. Uh, you know, a lot of the research and a lot of the work that you've done for your previous books, uh, obviously the Byzantine Empire would have been something that was constantly uh, coming up during various parts, and uh, it's just inevitable. But during the process of researching this particular book, did you still come across anything that still stands out so staggering uh, and maybe even surprised you uh, or uh, a bit of information that you had known in the past but you had forgotten about that realized this is something we should all be thinking about? Well, you know, another thing that did strike me that I was kind of surprised about is that besides the coinage, also they had the same educational system for all most of the thousand, pretty much all actually, of the thousand years of the empire's existence. That you would go to school in the year 400 and you would get essentially the same education that you would get in the year 1000 or the year 1400. And that also contributed a great deal to the stability of the society and it's also a great debt that we owe to the Byzantines because, of course, if you think about the intellectual beginnings of our own society, people would say, well, that's the ancient Greeks, Plato, Aristotle, and all the rest of them. And we and their thoughts on, on philosophy, on politics, and on so much more. But we only know about those people and are reading them because they were preserved by the Byzantines and were taught in their schools. And they were introduced into Western Europe by the Byzantines themselves at a time when most people in the West had no idea of what Plato or any of those people taught. They were the, um, there were only two books of Plato that were circulating in the West until the Byzantines started to travel West and introduce the people there to their teachings. And so that's what started, sparked the Renaissance and the whole intellectual development of Western Europe. Yeah, I mean, it, it is astounding to, to think about it. And sadly, as you've already pointed out, just so many people have no idea how long-reaching. Uh, in a lot of realistic ways, the the legacy of the Byzantine Empire, uh, you could make an argument that uh, that all of Western society, all civilization uh, is still an extension and in a way uh, a continuation uh, of that very – uh, long-lasting tradition just it seems like the one thing we're really missing is the thing that uh, allowed them to be so consistent over time that consistency is what allowed them to to be as long-lasting and to be that forefront uh, what's there was there a, a sense uh, of unity that we just don't understand anymore that allowed them to do this? Or was it just the circumstances of having to pull together and having that unique identity? Well, they were facing an existential threat that would have destroyed them at any point for most of the life of the whole empire. And so that's a certain impetus to unity right there. But also they did have a very great understanding of the importance of societal cohesion. 
of a common culture, a common language, and so on. And these are things that Americans used to take for granted, that now it's racist to say, you know, well, we should speak English in the United States and we should have a common heritage and culture. These things are in bad favor. But though it was when they began to disappear in the western part of the Roman Empire, long before the Byzantines fell, that the Western Empire became weak and ultimately disappeared a thousand years before the Eastern Roman or Byzantine Empire. And the thing about the Western Roman Empire is that they let in mass migration, they, uh, huge numbers of people who were not Romans, they let into the empire, they didn't ask them to assimilate, they put them in the military, then, the, then the, these uh, new arrivals started to make demands to keep their own culture and so on. And this ultimately led to the destruction of the Western Empire itself. I think the parallels here are kind of obvious. Yeah. Uh, historically speaking, whether you're looking at the Roman Empire or any other empire uh, in history, uh, when multiculturalism, as currently defined by the political left, becomes the rule of the day, uh, it's only a short matter of time before that nation falls. Uh, Robert, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before you go, please let everybody know where they can find the brand new book and all your other work. Feel free to share any websites you want to throw out there. And if you're inviting people to follow you or any of your organizations on social media, feel free to throw out those handles and those platforms as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm at jihadwatch.org, which is a new site dedicated to Tracking Jihad Activity, the only one in the world, and you can find that, as I say, at jihadwatch.org. And then uh, the books are at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, anywhere good books are sold, and I'm at jihadwatchrs on Twitter. All right. Thank you again, and I do hope that uh, you have a very Merry Christmas, and uh, hope we get a chance to get together again sometime soon. It's always a, a blast getting to talk to you. Uh, thank you again. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was, of course, Mr. Robert Spencer. Now, again, all of his books are laid out in such a fantastic way. He's such a learned scholar, and he helps you to really understand everything that's going on. But he does it in a way that's well-sided. It's clear that it's uh, a quality scholarship, but he makes it easy for you to understand if you don't have that scholarly background. You don't already have to have your PhD to understand and follow exactly where he's at. And that's uh, another part of what I really love about uh, Robert. Now, we are looking very closely now at getting, uh, taking that time for our mid-hour break. But before we do that, want to remind you about our friends over at Harvard Gold Group. Yes, that's right. We're moving Harvard Gold up uh, Gold Group to the number two slot today. And part of the reason for that is because, once again, we are seeing possible issues coming up with the economy. Why? Because the Fed is already talking about starting to lower interest rates. Inflation isn't fully under control yet. They talked about how we finally had inflation go down for a bit, and this is exciting news. But it's still not quite time to turn the money loose and make it cheaper and easier for these people to re-up inflation again. So with that in mind, uh, now would be a great time you to go ahead and pick up some gold uh, again use it as a hedge against the return of uh, higher inflational numbers because guess what they're probably going to happen but hey look regardless of 
what you're thinking, whether you think you need that hedge or you just want to protect value uh, that you have built up over time with uh, retirement savings, however you're doing it, you really should call the gold company that I use. That, of course, is the Harvard Gold Group. They make it easy to buy, easy to sell. They are Better Business Bureau approved with five-star ratings across the board. They've got a low price guarantee, and they do offer up to 15000 in free promotional gold and silver with qualifying purchases. You probably ought to give them a call just to find out what that requires. You might be surprised. Anyway, call right now for their free investor's guide, and whether you're looking to protect that retirement account or you just want to have gold in hand, go ahead. Give Harvard Gold Group a call at 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653, or you can visit them online at harvardgoldgroup.com. Either way, be sure to mention promo code TAP, T-A-P-P. Mention TAP into the truth. Just make sure they know that you heard it from here, and that will also qualify you for an additional $250 in promotional gold or silver, still with a qualifying purchase, of course. So again, 844-977-GOLD or harvardgoldgroup.com. Meanwhile, we'll be back after this. This is Tim Tapp, host of Tap Into the Truth, wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas, a very Happy New Year. Now that Colorado's black robes gone wild Supreme Court has ruled that President Trump is ineligible to participate in the 2024 presidential election in that state, I believe things will begin to come to a cataclysmic head very soon and could render positive results. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. We all know that the Colorado Supreme Court ruling against President Trump totally misinterpreted the 14th Constitutional Amendment. But the loony leftists, whether in government, academia, leftist preachers, and even the Pope himself, have all purposely misinterpreted laws, statutes, the Constitution, the Bible, city charters, etc., in order to make progress in their collectivist mission to literally enslave we the people via academic scare tactics, school indoctrination, abusive government policies such as open borders, and forcing fathers to watch while their bitter former wives take their sons to California for sex change procedures. All that, in addition to what's going on with President Trump, is causing Americans to wake up and soon participate in a cataclysmic pushback against those seeking to literally destroy the one nation designed to successfully oppose their tyrannical obsession. We win, they lose. I'm Ron Edwards. Being stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire, around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, 
put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, but the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueEdgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE10 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akuari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo, Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink When I invented MyPillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition MyPillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe cusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to mypillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's mypillow.com with promo code TAPP. From all of us here at my pillow hi this is matt fitzgibbons at patriotmusic.com if you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music check out my five albums and videos on american history at patriotmusic.com you say gun control is using both hands i've gotta be free 
This is Eric Buer, and you're listening to Tim Tap at Tap Into the Truth. Right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. I uh, want to wish everybody out there a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, of course, all of our Jewish friends out there, Happy Hanukkah as well. Uh, Hanukkah, if you know the real history, it's not so much a, a celebration as much as it is a remembrance. But still, it is the holiday season, and wherever you are, whoever you are, I hope you'll take that with the full intention in which it is met. And if it otherwise offends you, sorry, but that's pretty much on you. In the meanwhile, we'll be talking to the colonel here in just a moment. Before that, I do need to remind you about the special deal. It's still ongoing. They still have their holiday special going on over at Vanish Holster. So if you've been waiting for an opportunity to lay hands on a Vanish Holster, and why wouldn't you? I mean, it's designed to work with almost any semi-automatic handgun out there. It's designed to work without a tactical belt. You can carry in multiple positions, making it the most comfortable holster, period. And it also will allow you to conceal two fully loaded magazines in case you need to make a quick reload. Now, I don't know if you can ask for much more than that from a holster. It certainly gets rid of that nasty excuse that some of us have used in the past, and by some of us, I mean I myself have done this. Got a great new holster, really excited to use it for carrying my legal-to-carry firearm, and then, eh, I can't, yeah, that's, that's, no, it's not comfortable. So eventually stop wearing it. Now, let's be real for a minute. We know what's going on out there. Criminals are being more emboldened, and the looming dangers of terrorism here on American soil have probably never been higher uh, due largely to an open southern border and the fact that we know that other than Mexicans have been primarily the folks crossing. It's dangerous times, and I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be xenophobic. I don't want you to be any of those mean old nasty things that the leftists always say that we conservatives are. But I do want you to be prepared, and I don't want you to use any lame excuses for not being fully prepared to protect yourself, your family, your loved ones, your friends, your neighbors, especially if the reason is because eh, it wasn't comfortable. Okay, so back to the special deal, right? Right now, you can get that first Vanish holster at a discounted price by going to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Once you get that discounted price that's automatically activated by using the backslash T-A-P-P, then you can get a second holster at half price of that discounted price. You got the first one. Now, it's perfect if you want one for yourself and still want to give one to a friend, family member, someone you know who might need it. <coughs> Excuse me. 
So there you have it. The deal is still available. Lock it down. No, you're not likely to get it now before the, the holiday at this point, but you can still cash in on the deal. Take advantage of it while you can. Uh, under the current Bidenomics, let's face it, the dollar's not going as far as it used to. This might be your last chance to get that maximum buying power. So one more time, that's www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. All right. We do have the colonel on the line with us already. So uh, what do you say we actually bring Colonel Eric Ferris Buer on board? Ladies and gentlemen, salute retired United States Marine Corps pilot, Eric Burr. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. As always, I appreciate it. Uh, this is your second visit on the show. You came on with us back in September, and you were talking about your book, Ghost of Baghdad. and uh, It was a great conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed hearing you tell the stories there, but wanted to address a more holiday-related situation uh, as it comes since we're so close to the holidays and we're so caught up and busy with what we're doing and how we're trying to get it done. We don't always take the time to think about our men and women in uniform who are deployed and the families that they've left here stateside. So uh, before we jump into that topic, though, how are you doing today, sir? I am great. Again, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's always it's always a it's always a great privilege to talk to you and uh, and uh, hit the big topics of the day. All right. Well, uh, as I mentioned, you know, we we don't often think enough around Christmas about the men and women in uniform and what they're out there doing, and especially in dangerous times like these, where uh, literally at any moment uh, something could pop off a skirmish could turn into something more serious and again i, I don't want to make it out to sound scary or hazardous but truthfully that is the known situation for men and women in uniform at any minute whenever they're deployed anywhere in the world because ultimately that's their job to be ready to be prepared to answer that call but the holidays are particularly difficult especially holidays like christmas um what do you think we should be doing? How can we better show appreciation uh, for these folks during this time in a way that would be helpful to keep them from being uh, not quite so lonely? At least let them know that we're here for them. Well, I know exactly what we're doing right now. Get a chance just to, just to talk about them. You know, moms and dads across the country didn't know their sons and daughters or uh, they're deployed, they're four deployed. You know, most importantly, our folks that are, uh, you know, deployed in Europe, our folks in carrier battle groups, uh, those uh, Marines and sailors in the Mediterranean, and those sailors that are, you know, that are downing uh, Houthi drones in the in the in the, in the Red Sea. They let them know that we care. Uh, that's that's the best thing you can do. Packages are great. I remember being deployed. And it was great getting a package from home or a package from someone you didn't even know. Um, but just knowing uh, and just knowing that they care is really all that really mattered. I mean, day to day, you've got your mission to do. You have your routine, and that's what you focus on. And that's uh, that's what the leaders out there, those young you know young sergeants out there and petty officers are they're driving into their young troops to stay focused, uh, stay focused on the job, and stay focused on the mission. Yeah. Well, it's something that you yourself went through uh, when you served, and uh, based on your experience, is it harder? on our frontline folks or on the families that they have left behind that are trying to keep the home fires burning, so to speak? 
you know, it's always, I, I believe it's always harder on the on those left behind. And when you leave, when you deploy, you have this, this sense of purpose, uh, you have this unit cohesion, um, you have a mission set that you're trained to do, whatever it is, whether you're you're flying, you're, you're fixing, you're, you're driving ships or tanks, uh, you have that sense of purpose. And so it's the folks at home. It's uh, the ones that are left. Uh, they're the ones left doing all the work. You know, a lot of times families are left taking care of their, of their kids and others. And so it's, it's definitely uh, more difficult in my mind. I know it was for my family. Um, when I was gone, you know, it was a lot easier on me because I, I could focus on the mission and, uh, and focus on the, those, in my case, those young Marines and sailors that I was, uh, I was charged to take care of. Looking back uh, as in your time that you served, was there a particular holiday that was the hardest for you, one particular one that stands out that uh, you think most uh, of our armed service folks uh, could relate to? Yeah, nothing, you know, the thing, it's interesting. Nothing really comes to mind. You know, I was in this cycle, uh, particularly when we talked about Iraq or Afghanistan, where it was a, I was in these summer cycles. Um, but I remember being deployed during Christmas and Christmas was hard. And, uh, and, uh, you, you know, then we, we worked really hard to get ourselves into a, into a port of call at the time. It was uh, a, a time where, you know, Marines could get out and sailors could get out and, uh, and spend time together. It's always the hardest, uh, particularly this time of year, because it's a time where you're always, you know, generally home and, you know, and these deployments generally will cover Thanksgiving through, through, through Christmas and, uh, and through the new year. And I, I think those are always the toughest times. No. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it does. I, I think it behooves us as a nation to always remember the uh, sacrifices that are being made by the folks in uniform and by those families. And uh, I know most of the people that listen to this show, uh, based on the interactions I have with the, the listeners, most of them either serve themselves or they have. Uh, close family members who did so they they do know what we're talking about but it seems almost um almost taboo for us to um, mention that ourselves so we kind of count on somebody else to do it which is part of why i kind of want to make sure that we are having this conversation when i love seeing the fact that you are available for the topic uh, especially given the years of service you put in but uh I do think we need to make sure that above anything else, we, we need to show them appreciation all the time for everything they do. But it's not just limited to the men and women in uniform. It does include those families because the sacrifices work both ways. And, you know, you made the point when you're deployed, you've got your mission, you've got your daily routine. You can focus on that. It's a lot easier. It can be more of a struggle for the folks at home. But either way, any holiday away from home can be challenging, especially if you have young children involved. You always are going to feel like you're missing something. All the more reason to focus on the purpose uh, that you have in that, but also all the more reason for all of us to keep in mind that we live under an umbrella of safety because of the actions these folks taking. And it's not just a walk in the park. It is a tremendous effort that unfortunately most of the people currently living here simply would be unwilling to make the effort to. Uh, So I want to make sure that we understand we should be so very grateful. Uh, A lot of the experiences that you had during your tours, you do 
relate through your book, Ghost of Baghdad. Uh, like I mentioned before, uh, when you were here back in September, we spent a lot of time talking about the book. But I would like to give all the listeners a quick reminder, because if they haven't already picked up a, a copy, or if maybe somebody new to the show is out here today and they've managed to, to miss you on any of your other appearances, uh, now would be a great time for them to, to know why they should pick up a copy. So uh, real quick, if you don't mind... Uh, just a synopsis of the book so that everybody knows why they should go get a copy. Well, thanks. You know, it's a, it's a story that's seen and told and, and heard um, from me. So I, 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 I think I do uh, justice to all those Marines and sailors I serve with. Um, I, I tell their story. Um, it's it see, again, seen through my lens, but it's an opportunity to step into a, a Marine attack helicopter on the opening nights of the war in 2003 and uh, literally fly into the most contested airspace in the world and, uh, and do our nation's bidding. Uh, we often forget now, but this, this was only 18 months after 9-11. It was a different world. It was a different mentality. Um, there was a different sentiment in the world. It was a much more you know, unified, less polarized uh, vision of who we are as a nation. And so, you know, I'm privileged to tell their stories. Uh, there's some amazing heroes that I get a chance to, to talk about. And, uh, and as a reader, you get a chance to ride along. You're, you're in the front seat, and you're in every major engagement uh, of that portion of the war. Uh, and you get a chance to understand what your, your son or your father or your uncle or your niece or your aunt or your mom did. I mean, it's, or your neighbor did. Um, it's, it's, it's my story. Uh, but it's about them, and uh, it becomes our story because it's a, it's an American story, and so I, I, I think that's what I, you know, I, I hope to, hope to you know, let the, the readers understand is that this is a, a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, but it's just, uh, in this case, these are just, you know, regular regular Americans, right? Decided to become uh, Marines and sailors and called upon to do extraordinary things. So, uh, I, I think you'll en- I think you'll enjoy the ride. What was your favorite part uh, in writing the book? Because, you know, every author uh, goes in excited once they decide to do it. Sometimes they're a little um, trepidatious trepidatious about actually starting. But there is some part that once they get into it, sometimes it's even surprising, the part they enjoyed the most. What was your favorite part about writing the book? Well, for me, that's easy. It was it was reconnecting. It was reconnecting with uh, old squadron mates, uh, whether they were uh, you know, young captains or lieutenants or young sergeants or, in my case, gunnery sergeants or, or private first, first classes and getting to hear their story. And you get a distinctly different perspective when they get a chance to, to tell it to you. And, and you know, it'd be interesting to hear my own co-pilot in a situation describe it differently, um, where I thought this, you know, this one particular mission was um, relatively simple, and, and he thought it was completely opposite of that. So the best part was, was reconnecting with old friends, hearing their stories, and knowing that I was going to get a chance to tell their story. That was by far the, the icing on the cake. And, you know, it was difficult because I ran out of time and space. I, you know, my, I've got a great author. I've got a great publisher in Ballast Books. They're like, Eric, you know, 365 pages. You can't 
they kept giving me limits. Like you can't write war and peace. <laughs> you can't do it. And so, um, you know, I feel like I, I left some stories out, uh, but I'm going to capture, I'm capturing the next book I'm almost done with, but I'm going to capture those. But yeah, it was one of the, the downsides was I, I wanted to keep the story moving in a fashion that people weren't distracted, but they also understood uh, how much this is a team sport and every, every single person's uh, input is, is so valuable to, to our collective success. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's probably one of the most important aspects of uh, telling those individual stories the way that you did, because, you know, uh, unless you've done a particular thing, you really don't understand what all's involved with making it happen. And what you guys do engaged in aerial combat in particular is such a uh, complicated for certain parts of the work. Uh, and then uh, for a pilot who flight comes natural and easy and the, the flying's all you have to do, maybe that feels like it's coming easy. So I, I like the fact that you're making the point about getting the different points of view, seeing what all goes into it. And uh, I do particularly uh, like to focus on the fact that uh, here is what's going on. Uh, these are men and women who decided – that they were going to put on the uniform, uh, they were called to service uh, in a situation where when a lot of them joined up probably didn't expect to see active combat in, in a theater like that because we had went through a, an extended period uh, of peace before that. And it, it's great to see those perspectives and to let people better understand what goes into it. I, I feel like I just keep kind of stumbling over what I'm trying to say because first and foremost I have such a great appreciation for the men and women who decide to to serve the country regardless of what branch it is and and it does make me feel like there's no words that can adequately express my level of gratitude and, and so I I feel like I'm struggling trying to find the right word and in the process I I feel like I'm dropping the ball completely but love the fact that uh you are indeed getting close to that second book, and I do hope that you'll come back and talk to us again about the next book once it is uh, out there and available. In the meanwhile, Colonel, please let everybody know where they can find your work. Feel free to share any websites that you would like to, and if you're inviting people to follow you on social media, feel free to share those handles and those platforms. Fantastic. You, you can get this book anywhere you buy anything. You go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's available on Apple, uh, Kindle. It's available certainly in a hardcover. It's available via Kindle and Audible. Uh, and Ballast Books. Uh, Ballast Books is my publisher. They're fantastic. And you can go to ericbuer.com, E-R-I-C-B-U-E-R.com there. And you can, uh, from there, you can access any of my social media. Uh, and you can order books there. You can ask me questions. Uh, you can pose questions to me. Uh, so I, and I, and I look forward to hearing it. It's again, one of the most important you know, satisfying things I get a chance to do is when people reach out to me and they ask me questions and we get a chance to talk. And I, I usually, I email them directly back or I find a way to communicate or I talk to them directly on the phone. I love talking to people and having an opportunity to, to answer questions uh, as they read the book. Uh, it, it makes it a little more satisfying for all of us, I think, but uh, I really appreciate this. 
All right. Uh, obviously, I appreciate uh, your time uh, just coming and talking to us, sir. In the meanwhile, God bless. Uh, keep up the great work. We do need more uh, storytellers out there telling the American story, and, and that's really a big chunk of what you're doing. You're looking at very specific actions of Americans uh, in uh, the service of the nation, but that is essentially the story of America. So uh, thank you for all your efforts there, and uh, Merry Christmas to you as well. Merry Christmas. Have a great night. So long. You too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is retired Marine pilot Colonel Eric Ferris Buer. And, uh, yeah, I I do feel like I get all tongue-tied when I'm trying to talk to some of these folks that I know served in a forward area uh, literally put their life on the line multiple occasions and, uh, you know, just humbly telling the story. Ghost of Baghdad is a phenomenal book, too. If you haven't already added it to your library, uh, I know I say this about a lot of the uh, books that come out, and I mean it every time I say it. There are some really great books out there that if you – just like America, you don't even have to be conservative necessarily for some of these books. But if you just like America, if that's the only thing you've got going on, you realize that it's great here. This is the kind of book that you should have there because it is exactly as I said. It is a book about America and Americans doing extraordinary things, but only because they were asked to. You know, that's that's good stuff. All right, we've got just a few minutes before we have to reset uh, the hour. And in that process, there was one particular news story that I wanted to make sure that I touched on tonight because it's just so aggravating to me. Uh, there's this uh, new law that they're trying to pass in New York. It's called the Rest Stop Restaurant Act. Basically, it would force any business along the New York State Thruway to stay open every day of the week to accommodate travelers. Now, that may not sound particularly bad, especially if you're going to be passing through uh, yourself, but it would require companies that provide food and beverage services along the thruway as well as through the Port Authority, which runs through New York and New Jersey, to keep their doors open not based on their business practices, their business model, but based on how the government sees fit. You're going to be open when we tell you that you're going to be open. One of the companies that would be affected by this is Chick-fil-A. Now, I am a fan of Chick-fil-A. I like their product, and I'm a bigger fan of the fact that they are so – locked in on their business model of being a Christian principled run business that they stay closed on Sundays. They could make a ton of money. If you're looking straight at profitability, they could make phenomenal money by being open on Sundays because I gotta tell you about ninety percent of the time that I'm really craving Chick-fil-A is on a Sunday. And I know I'm not the only one out there in that situation, but here's the thing. Chick-fil-A, at least to this point, has remained true to that model, and it's based on the biblical principle that they want to take that day to honor God. They want to take that day to let all their employees to be with their families, regardless of whatever else is happening, to take that day as the Sabbath day, and under this new um, act – 
should it become law, it would require them to be open as well. So that leads to a whole new question, and I, I really can't help but ponder it myself. Would it be worthwhile for Chick-fil-A to just close down all of their restaurants along the New York State Thruway in order to maintain their independence? Should they do that? Would you do that? I, I, I don't want to argue on behalf of shutting those stores down because I know there are a ton of people that are utilizing Chick-fil-A being there. It's a great alternative, a great option for them as they're traveling. Nobody should have to not have a Chick-fil-A available, especially if they're used to having one. But at some point… We have got to put our foot down collectively and let the government know, regardless what level of the government we're talking about, that they don't make all of the decisions. Private-run companies should get to choose their hours of operation. We're worried a lot about the communist uh, – the Chinese Communist Party. Looks like we really need to keep a closer eye on the New York Communist Party. Because that's what's going on there. All right, let's go ahead and reset the hour as soon as Doug is ready to hit the button. In the meanwhile, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Ron Edwards American Experience Talk Show and the Edwards Notebook Commentary, wishing you and my good friend Tim Tapp a happy Christmas and a wonderful new year. Oh, This is Tim Tapp, host of Tap to the Truth that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Network. Fitzgibbons from PatriotMusic.com, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tapping to the Truth. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party. A mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. Rocking around the Christmas tree, let the Christmas spirit ring. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back as we dive headlong into hour number two of tonight's live Tap into the Truth. It is Friday night. It is December 22nd. It is my 23rd anniversary day as well. So happy anniversary to my lovely wife who's actually out at a family Christmas uh, gathering uh, on her side of the family that... I was going to have to miss because of other things anyway, so I'm here with you guys, and she'll be back a little later. It's pretty much over by the time we got started, so I didn't just duck out to be with you guys, but hey, if that makes you feel better, uh, yeah, uh, you guys are so important. (laughs) Anyway, uh, if you want to be part of the show in a way that goes beyond just listening, you can sign up for MeWe and then hop into the Last Frequency group. And then you can read things like uh, Doug, uh, who just shared with us that he's got a local gas station that's just up the street that also has awesome fried chicken, and there's no long lines. So that is one thing that they've got uh, uh, Chick-fil-A beat on, because those lines are never short. Got to give full credit to Chick-fil-A on being able to get through those lines, though. They do really good. Uh, They are setting the model. Love those guys. Anyway... Definitely want to make sure that before we get into the next topic that we do once again talk about our friends over at Four Patriots. Uh, obviously, uh, in the first uh, hour, we talked about some of the things that are on the special deal page, and, and it's some pretty cool stuff. But if you go to fourpatriots.com backslash T-A-P-P, it's going to land you there for the deals of the week, get all those great preparedness items. But you can shop the rest of the site from there, uh, all the little uh, areas up near the top of the page. You can see gift ideas, deals, bestsellers, new arrivals, survival food, power and solar, water, RV and camping, home and health, and even learn. Uh, So I don't know uh, if there's a lot you feel like you need to learn about when it comes to survival, but they've got a preparedness blog that's got some great stuff. They have emergency survival guides. They have reviews for the Four Patriots products and uh, uh, other stuff as well. So what I would tell you is that if you are in the market for preparedness items that you can use now and that can literally save your life later, then Four Patriots is where you need to be going. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, Doug, the show's producer here for Friday nights, he's been stocking up. He's still showing me some of the stuff that he got uh, last Friday, and uh, he did. He he is ready for a lot of stuff. And being down in Louisiana, uh, it's not like there's not the occasional storm that knocks the power out for a while. <laughs> and uh, who knows what else might happen, but... That happens on the regular, so uh, he's a little better prepared for that. But uh, here's the deal. The, the, the food, all the emergency food stuff, it's rated to last for 25 years. Good luck on keeping it that long if you got folks in the house like I do, but that's 25 years that you can have that safely stared, stowed away, and you can break it out at any point in time. And it's not just rations. It's not just... Okay, well, I can chew on this cardboard, and and it'll keep me alive, but I ain't going to be happy about it. No, it's enough 
quality food with the, the quality of taste that's going to let you thrive, not just survive. So with all that being said, whether you need the backup electricity that a Patriot-powered sidekick would allow, maybe you need a bigger generator, you get that power without having to worry about uh, fumes and uh, all the things that go along with the big gas generators, and it'll let you charge via solar if that's what you need to do. Great stuff in so many other in-between stuff. We talked about a lot of them earlier. But regardless of what you're looking for, nobody's in a better position to help you get through, well, when things go a little sideways. So go ahead, visit the number four patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. That's two things. It does let them know that I sent you, and it lets you start on their weekly deals. And it does those two things. You still have full access to the rest of the site. Just check it out. That's all you got to do. You will not be sorry. And if you know anybody, uh, yourself included, that's a little behind the curve on uh, getting that preparedness just in case, you might want to share that same website. Maybe even make a purchase or two for them just to get them started. One last time, that's the number four, patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. Now, waiting to, to get the thumbs up for our next guest, uh, make sure that they're uh, uh, on the line with us, which, of course, they are not just yet. So hopefully we'll uh, get them here momentarily. We're scheduled to be joined by Mr. Brandon Wichard. Now, Brandon's been on the show a few times. Uh, he is a prolific author, and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk a little bit <laughs> to him here soon. Uh, obviously, he's been here. His most recent book is The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. But uh, we've had him on to talk about some of his other books as well, like Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Uh, his probably uh, the book that launched him to uh, national recognition – uh, keeps going to voice the national recognition was a fantastic uh, book I'm trying to pull it up here but uh, it was about uh, space power you know we're talking about winning space how America remains a superpower uh, that really launched him into national recognition as a writer but before that he was known as a geopolitical uh, analyst and it's just good stuff. All right, so we're going to keep uh, hoping that we can get connected. Uh, if we end up missing Brandon, then we'll just have to try to reschedule. It is awful close to the holidays, and uh, let's face it, at this hour, uh, it being 8 p.m. on the East Coast at this point, uh, smidge after, of course, a lot of folks have checked out for the holiday week. A lot of folks are taking this upcoming week off. You're not going to hear from a lot of them until after the first. Now, that's not the case here. We're going to be live uh, next Friday. I can't say with any certainty that I'm going to do any other shows next week besides the Friday live show. But we're going to try to spend some uh, special time with uh, a couple of normal, regular returning guests, extended conversations, and we'll talk about the year that's been, and we'll talk about what we're expecting to see, and I would imagine that, uh, well, next year's going to be full of fireworks and excitement. Um, obviously, still hoping that we'll connect with Brandon, but if we don't, then uh, then here's what we were basically going to talk about. Uh, I texted him twice. 
I'll text him again. All right. Uh, yeah, you do that. If we get him connected, we'll go from there. Otherwise, I'm going to kind of get into the topic a little bit. And if we get connected, uh, we'll bring him in at that point. And I hope we can because he's got a great perspective on this. But, you know, we're really looking at the question of whether or not peace is even possible with the Islamic Republic of Iran. Now, you know my feelings on the topic. I'm convinced it's not as long as it is an Islamic Republic. Uh, Republic, of course, being probably a bit of a misnomer for how they're established. They are a theocracy, and as long as it remains a theocracy run by a group of Twelvers, then peace with them for anyone that doesn't fall into the same category is just off the table. But the whole point of Brandon's book, The Shadow War, Rand's Quest for Supremacy, is that question. And he talks about how there's been an ongoing shadow war between the West and Iran, uh, one that could explode and plunge the world into a third world war. And I think, unfortunately, we're probably closer to that now than we've ever been because it's no longer Iran with some backing from Russia. It's now Iran with some backing from China and Russia and now North Korea firmly connected. So we've got this uh, cabal of nations that have this mutual disdain for all of Western society. Uh, all of Western civilization must fall beneath their feet as far as they're concerned. And uh, Iran is very much all for creating a regional war. It's a regional war that if they get their way, they're going to use the Houthis. They're going to use Hamas as long as Israel allows them to exist. They're going to use Hezbollah. They're going to use other third-party actors and eventually most likely will get involved directly themselves. But they're going to do that to spark a regional war that very easily could become a global conflict. And I really think that has a lot to do with why so many nations are so hesitant to join together and just put a stop to the terrorism that's being supported by Iran. Well, they're hesitant to, to tell Iran that, hey, it's time that you guys pulled yourselves out of this uh, 15th century mindset that you're stuck in and move into the modern world or we're just going to isolate you. We're going to cut you off. And we're never going to get to that point either when some nations like Russia, for example, seize opportunity at natural resources that's just not available in other parts of the world or at least not as easily and readily available. What we're really looking at at this point is the question of why it appears that we have these different nations who have every reason to want to stop the Houthi rebels, but they're reluctant to join a U.S.-Israeli coalition against them. We're looking at countries like Egypt and the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia, countries that are not on board with Iran, that are adversaries to Iran, that are not fans, if you will. These are nations 
that suffer because of what Iran does on the regular. As Iran continues to try to push and maintain and elevate themselves to being the dominant nation in the region, and now they're spending more and more time focused on Saudi Arabia. <coughs> Excuse me. They're doing this because Saudi Arabia is probably the richest nation <clears throat> with the United Arab Emirates being a very close second that still stands opposed to their political ideology that stands as a true rival in the region that can have as much influence over the Arab slash Islamic world. <clears throat> mm, sorry, guys. Now, Almost everybody's reluctant to join this coalition because Israel's involved. And that's tragic because, you know, Egypt had normalized relations with Israel. The United Arab Emirates was in a unique position, and Saudi Arabia was literally an eyelash away from joining the Abraham Accords. There's a reason why Iran wanted. Hezbollah to hold where they are with maybe an occasional skirmish, but wanted Hamas to go in. <laughs> I'm not sneezing, Doug. Doug in from the control room is trying to offer me a tissue. Uh, I appreciate the offer, but uh, I, I, I can shove it through the USB port. <laughs> Well, you know, let me go ahead and open that port. You, you can send me one anyway. How's that? <laughs> anyway, we're, we're looking at this entire situation where it would be in the best interest of Egypt, in the best interest of Saudi Arabia, in of the United Arab Emirates, and in the best interest of Yemen, as far as that's concerned, to squash the Houthi rebels. Yemen, however, the official government is acting as if it's going to be some personal insult to them if something happens to the rebels. I, almost to the point where I scratch my head and wonder, are they even actually rebels anymore? Or are they just an extension of the military doing the things that the Yemeni's government wants to do but doesn't want the world to see them being the ones actually doing it? So it's kind of like an off-the-books group. Just an organization is like, we're going to call you rebels, and you guys get to go be the heroes that we need, just not the heroes that we deserve, if you'll forgive my stealing from the Batman movies. This reluctance is based on this idea that they just can't seem to let the notion die that if there's going to be peace in the region, the Palestinian question must be solved. And it's absurd that that's even still a sticking point. The Abraham Accords were very clearly pointing the way to the fact that this is not a requirement, that Arab nations can in fact normalize relations with Israel and not be concerned about what happens to the so-called Palestinians. And again, I refer to them as so-called because it's a name, it's a mantle that they've chosen for themselves. 
there has never been in the history of a reg- of the region a Arab-controlled state called Palestine. That has never been a thing that's happened, and yet we still have people all throughout the Western civilization, worst of all here in the United States, that are talking about how Palestine must be free. Well, if it ever had existed, maybe you'd have a point. But it, it's never existed. What Egypt sees when they look at the so-called Palestinians that are living in the Gaza envelope is a group of people that are so radicalized that they would destabilize the Egyptian government in a rather short amount of time if they were to ever become absorbed into Egypt. The same thing that Jordan sees when the West Bank was offered to them. These individuals, these people that have claimed the mantle of Palestinian, the majority of them are so radicalized that they're not welcome anywhere in the Arab world. They're not welcome anywhere in the Islamic world, and they're not because if you're not specifically a Twelver and ready to die as a martyr, then you are not the right kind of Muslim. You're not the right kind of Arab, and they they're not going to just sit back and allow – these are people that believe that terrorism is their right. We still have people in this country denying that the acts of October 7th even occurred. Oh, it was just a, a black flag operation. The Israelis did that to themselves. And now that we've got confirmation today of the first American taken hostage uh, having died – we we barely heard it talked about. Now, I would imagine that will be discussed more throughout the weekend, and hopefully it will be a major topic by the time everybody gets back into the regular flow. That I, we're not going to take the same type of hiatus here and tap into the truth that a lot of other talk shows are going to do. Somebody needs to to keep the tower lit. Uh, the, the lighthouse needs to keep shining. But the absurdity of what we're looking at, Egypt and Saudi Arabia in particular, you can throw the UAE in there if you want. They have every reason to pull together. Even if they don't want to join a coalition with the U.S. and Israel, they should form a coalition of their own and smack down the Houthis. The Houthis are a threat right now, not just to anybody that wants to see normalized relations with Israel. But they're a threat to the entire world. They are a threat to the world global economy because they are trying to end shipping in a global choke point. They're over there in the Red Sea, and they're harassing so many ships that several shippers are now either not going into the region at all or they're taking the long way around so they can completely avoid the Red Sea. Either way, you're either – Increasing prices again at a time that even if inflation wasn't sky high, even if we weren't living in Bidenomics, you would be looking at a ridiculously high increase in prices because it's going to become scarce and it's going to cost way more to get what little bit you get. 
It's affecting the entire world. So again, why do we see so many people in Western countries siding with the homicidal, genocidal terrorist? I mean, we just had one of the, the highest bigwigs in Hamas publicly thanking Canada for their public statement where they joined New Zealand and a few other countries and demanding an immediate ceasefire. If you're demanding a ceasefire right now, then what you are actually doing is you're demanding Israel surrender. That's what you're demanding. You should be demanding Hamas surrender. You're worried about how many of these Palestinians are being killed during military operations that Israel is having to perform in order to push Hamas out. Then you should be demanding that it's Hamas that surrenders. They're the one who broke the ceasefire. They're the ones who took full advantage of the fact that we've been at a point of ceasefire since 2005. 2005, guys. They declared a ceasefire, and Israel completely withdrew from the Gaza envelope. It's you guys. You're here. 2006, the, the people of the Gaza envelope elected Hamas to be their leaders. They're not representative of the people living in Gaza. Yes, they are. They are literally their elected representative government. That makes them representative of them. And if you think that that's unique to Gaza, no. Again, I, I know I've said this before, but so many people are either still denying it or maybe a few people still haven't heard it. But the people living in Judea and Samaria, the people that are in the region that is more commonly referred to as the West Bank Based on polling, they would have elected Hamas to be their leader ahead of the current Palestinian Authority. guess it's a good thing that the current president elected to a single term that was only supposed to last a few years has never allowed a second election. Yet we're being lectured here about how Donald John Trump would be a dictator, but we're perfectly okay. Again, why? We're okay with dictators and human traffickers and slavers and all kinds of dark and dastardly deeds being done by the Chinese Communist Party and by uh, Houthi rebels and by Hamas. We're okay with all that. Why? Because now the left has indoctrinated so many of our kids and even a but ton of freaking adults into the idea of the oppressor-oppressed matrix, that that is the only one that matters. Now, for the longest time, leftist propaganda, they used class warfare. It just doesn't work here in the States because here, thanks to free markets, thanks to what a lot of them refer to as capitalism, there's mobility. You can be in one class and you can move into another. We don't live in a caste system. We don't live in a system that requires you, if you're born poor, you have to stay poor. No, you can work your way out. And for the people that are willing to do what it takes to get there, it happens frequently. And unfortunately, it also goes the other direction. People can become very, very wealthy and lose it all. And still usually based on mistakes they've made.
You can blame the man all you want to, but ultimately you make the decisions that lead you in one direction or another, and that is where this becomes such an issue. Thanks to that mobility, they couldn't use it, so now it's racism and it's oppressor-oppressed. And it's really, really sad to see in real time when one group that used to be part of the oppressed class becomes an oppressor, when one group out there suddenly for the longest time has been considered a minority, suddenly has decided that, well, you're white adjacent, meaning you're close enough to being white that we're going to treat you the same as all those other Mino white people. We've seen that happen to the Jews, and we've seen it happen with a, a, a multitude of Asians. Why are we seeing it? Because these are groups of people that you can speculate as to why. You can try to put some type of stereotype in place and buy into it, even though we're constantly told that that's bad and that's profiling and we shouldn't do it. It shouldn't be allowed, not in the United States. You can you can try and come up with any explanation you want, but the Asian community and the Jewish community, especially those who come to the United States, they tend to be extremely successful. There are, of course, exceptions. But they become successful. Why? Because, they, again, they do the things that the left keeps telling everybody you shouldn't have to do. You shouldn't have to work at anything. You shouldn't have to earn anything. You shouldn't have to count on anything other than mediocrity. I mean, if you're looking at merit-based judgment, oh my goodness, that's so racist. Hmm. It's unacceptable is what it is, but it is where we are at. Now, hopefully, as we see the current political pendulum swing back towards the right, we can kind of end all of this and not have to worry about it again at least for another generation. But in the meanwhile, this is where we're stuck at, so we need to correct it. And nations need to stand up like Egypt and Saudi Arabia, and if they don't want to join us, they need to join together, and those that would challenge the safety and security of the world need to be put down. All right, real quick, remember our friends over at Harvard Gold Group. I've got less than a minute left to tell you about them, so whether you're looking to uh, protect your retirement accounts or you just want to have gold in hand – Give Harvard Gold Group a call right now at 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. Or give them a visit at harvardgoldgroup.com. Uh, a little bit of silver and gold for Christmas, probably not a bad idea. Give them a call right away. Uh, be sure to mention TAP, T-A-P-P, and uh, let them know that you heard about them from here. It'll entitle you to some extra promotional gold and silver. Five-star rating from the Better Business Bureau. They are the company to deal with. Harvard Gold Group. We'll be right back. This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas, a very Happy New Year.
candy maker in Indiana wanted to produce a candy that would be a witness. So he made the Christmas candy cane. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. The candy maker began with a stick of pure white hard candy to symbolize the virgin birth and sinless nature of Jesus. Candy maker made the candy in the form of a J to represent the name of Jesus who came to earth as our Savior. It also represented the staff of the Good Shepherd who reaches down into the ditches of the world to lift out the fallen lambs that have gone astray. Realizing his candy was very plain, the candy maker stated with red stripes to symbolize the scourging Jesus received by which we are all healed. The large red stripe was for the blood shed by Jesus on the cross so that we could have the promise of eternal life. Unfortunately, the candy became known only as a candy cane, a meaningless decoration seen at Christmas time. But the meaning is still there for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that this symbol will again be used to witness the wonder of Jesus and his great love that came down to us remain the ultimate and dominant force in the universe today and forever. Merry Christmas, and may God bless everyone. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, to find out where follow me via Truth Social at the Edwards Notebook One. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueEdgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE10 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top 6 in the world in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Hey, Jared, what's up? Well, my company gave me this Pride T-shirt. They say i got to wear it to celebrate the LGBTQ. That's not really my thing, and, well, I sure as hell don't want to promote it. Yeah, I can understand that. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm just tired of all this woke bullshit. 
I mean, I've worked 20 years for this company. Well, they've been great until they started all this crap. I just want a job where I'm not forced to support all this nonsense. Yeah, I hear you. I'm Andrew Krabschett, CEO of RedBalloon.Work, America's woke-free job board. We connect good employees with great companies without all that woke bullshit. So if you're an employee who's tired of all the nonsense, then put your resume on Red Balloon. And if you're an employer looking for hardworking, reliable job seekers, then post your open jobs at redballoon.work. I'm Andrew Krabschett. Wait, no, it's okay, guys. That's just my last name. I'm Andrew Krabschett from redballoon.work. Check us out today. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. This is Amy Hallam with Amy's Audios, wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. So grab your eggnog and your sip of brandy, relax, and God bless everyone. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Matt Fitzgibbons. This is Amy Hallam. This is AZ. Sharing the night. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are indeed sharing Friday night together. Thank you so much for being here. And I do hope that all of you are experiencing the blessings of the holiday season. I wish every last one of you a Merry Christmas with the understanding that as a Christian, it's literally the best thing that I can. And I hope you'll accept that in the spirit in which it's intended, regardless of of how you may feel or what other holidays you may celebrate. Just know I'm wishing you the best, okay? How's that? And if you're offended, uh, well, then sorry, but it's kind of on you at this point. I I think I've explained myself. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back to the show. Obviously, uh, we are heading uh, into the final segment of the show, and uh, we missed out on having Brandon Wichard on with us in the last segment. And I'm still not certain exactly what happened. You know, uh, he had actually reposted earlier uh, the Twitter when I was announcing the show that he was on. Uh, He was well aware and we're still here. So hopefully nothing bad happened. And maybe it's just uh, something going on with uh, connection and availability for phone lines and what have you. But as you know, Brandon's been on a few times. We'll get him back on again. Uh, We'll have this very important conversation and hopefully it'll still be a theoretical rather than something uh, terrible. Uh, Before we get uh, involved with our next guest, who's also a returning uh, visitor, uh, Richard C. Lyons is going to join us. I do need to remind you about our friends over at Vanish Holster. Lock in on the holiday special while it still lasts. You may not be able to get it in time for Christmas now, but you still can lock in the, the holiday deal that they've got going on. You can Go to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. You do the backslash T-A-P-P. They know I sent you, but the more important part for you is it automatically activates a discount on the purchase of a Vanish holster. Now, the holiday special, 
you can go ahead and get a second Vanish holster for someone else you know that may need one for a half off that discounted price you paid for the first one. So that's perfect if you want one and you want to give one as a gift. You can't beat a deal like that. Maybe you just maybe you already have one and you want to give two as a gift. Whatever you want to do, that's the opportunity. But the only way you get to have the most comfortable holster ever that's designed to work without a tactical belt, that's designed to let you carry in multiple positions, that will work with 99% of semi-automatic handguns and will unquestionably, undoubtedly allow you to also have concealed two fully loaded magazines you are good to go so just go check it out don't take my word for it go visit www.vnsh.com backslash t-a-p-p all right now let's get on with the show shall we uh as i said we already have on the line waiting with us mr richard c Lyons. now richard was with us uh last time back in october and we had a rather sobering conversation about the return to normalcy of political assassinations. And when we were having that conversation, uh, it's not a fun thing to think about, and I'm afraid things are only getting darker. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back the author of The DNA of Democracy and The Shadows of the Acropolis. Good Mr. evening, Tim. Good to hear I you, Tim. How are you? How are you doing tonight, Richard? How are you? Uh, very well. Looking forward to Christmas. All right. Well, uh, just to make sure I don't uh, slip up and forget to say it later. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, <laughs> oh, I do you. hope it's a great one for you. Uh, let's uh, let's kind of jump right in. Obviously, uh, tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about the Colorado Supreme Court and their decision to claim that Donald John Trump is ineligible to be on the ballot by virtue of being an insurrectionist. Uh, what was your initial impression as soon as you heard the breaking news? Uh, disbelief and then and then just the, you know, of course it fits, you know. <clears throat> I, I couldn't believe that a Supreme Court knowledgeable in law without the benefit of Donald J. Trump even being charged with a crime of insurrection or having due process of trial, was, was said to be tossed from the ballot uh, for the, because of insurrection. So it, it's in keeping with what we've been seeing for the last eight years, uh, Tim, when first the agencies concocted a, uh, the Russia hoax and tried to create a coup. Then the Democrats tried to impeach him from the House and Senate, then state state judiciaries changed the laws for voting, and that succeeded in the 2020 election. Since then, we've had DAs in several states bring lawsuits against him in civil court and criminal court, and now Supreme Courts and states want him cast off the ballot. So my hope is that after he takes all this for eight years, he comes out fighting. Well, you know, I, I don't think there's any question that he's going to. And yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, we keep seeing this strange phenomenon happen too. Every time the left breaks out some new level, some new unprecedented level, I should say, of lawfare against him, more people rally to his cause. It becomes more and more obvious, even to the point now that even folks on CNN 
are questioning the legitimacy and the wisdom of doing stuff like this. Uh, just more Americans realize that they're trying to give him the business, and if they'll do that to yeah. him, then clearly they'll do it to the rest of us. But I'm also concerned about the darker side of what could happen here. And I feel like at this point, regardless of what the Supreme Court might decide, regardless of what other conservative states may do in an effort to teach the left a lesson and target Biden in a similar way, saying, OK, if you're going to do that, we're going to do it. And the only way this stops is if you stop, too, no matter what we do. The worst thing here is the American public now are going to be completely legitimate in feeling as if whatever the outcomes are, whatever the Supreme Court decides, whatever the election results are, that somehow it's illegitimate. Either yeah, that's, Donald Trump. It, that's really, yeah, really valid concern, Tim. Um, that whatever the outcome of the election, you know, this is the problem we have now. Because so much power has been concentrated in Washington, D.C., and because that power is concentrated mostly in a single office occupied by a single person, no matter who gets elected, half the country's mad, and half the country feels disenfranchised. That's part of the problem, is that that, that office carries so much power. But there's also, you know, the... The precedent set, and it goes back how far now, Tim? Back to 2000, uh, when Gore uh, pronounced the, the, that uh, Bush was in office illegally. And then Kerry said that the election was not uh, valid. Then Hillary Clinton, when she lost, said it wasn't valid, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, and it's a slippery slope. This is, per our Constitution, our means of the people possessing power. Uh, so it's a it's a big stakes game. Yeah. My my fear, though, is that both sides can both come away from the situation now feeling completely justified in taking almost any action. You know, we, we talked last time wow. you were here, as I already mentioned, about the possible normalization of political suicide, uh, political assassination, not suicide. Uh, that's a completely different thing. Uh, something that <laughs> politicians do to themselves through bad decisions. But uh, uh, the the idea of political assassinations becoming commonplace again, and we were talking about various examples that occurred, but now we could be talking about people deciding to take to the streets in a more realistic way that goes beyond the riots that we saw in the aftermath of George Floyd. Uh, and it's just, it feels like that boiling point. And I know uh, conservative uh, commentators like myself have been warning against the division that has continued to deepen, that we need to try to bridge that. But this feels like it's been a setup to, to just create this deal to force an overflow. Uh, are we looking at desperation on the side of one political aisle, or are we looking at an effort by a few folks to want to finally try to tear down the system that's built, or am I just imagining things uh, based on what I think is a pattern? <laughs> well, it's, a, it's an extremely deep subject, and it's the reason I wrote the books that I did, particularly Shadows of the Acropolis. And it explains how, in the past hundred years, 
the Democratic Party has has built an administrative state in our country that operates by rules more akin to socialism, whereas a lot of Americans, at least half of them, believe in the manner in which this country was founded. So if you if you operate and control the administrative state and a person like Donald Trump has the opportunity to get into office, the administrative state's uh, going to rebel because their idea of, of how to govern is it's not just dissimilar, Tim, it's opposite to the way our country was founded. It is not representative law. It's administrative law. It's not persons elected. It's people appointed. Um, and as all this power is concentrated in Washington, D.C., this administrative state has become so powerful. It's a power unto itself with its own self-interest. And their interest is in retaining power, which means that Donald Trump is a great threat. And so the Democratic Party is pulling out all the stops to stop him however he can and deny the people, as in Colorado, the right to vote for him. So once again, we see the effort to preserve democracy uh, by stopping democracy. (laughs) <laughs> that seems to be the pattern of the left these days. It's their use. It's their use of propaganda, and their means of of trying to save democracy is actually killing it. I mean, you cannot call it anything akin to normal democratic process. What is happening with the Supreme Court in Colorado and the other thirteen states that are now considering it? It's against the fundamentals of the Constitution that the six toss-up states prior to twenty twenty changed their rules on voting to allow vote harvesting, which changed the election. Um, So the things that they are doing, the the whole Russia hoax, where the agencies literally attacked Trump in such a way as to create a a removal from office. If he wasn't so tough, he would have been removed. And all these things are to one end. It's a threat. He is a threat of bringing back a renewal of the way our country is supposed to be run. Yeah, I, 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 <clears throat> excuse me. I, I've said all along that the one thing that Trump really did more than anything was he showed that all the damage that's been done through the incrementalism that's been used in an effort to tear down the Constitution and yep, alter exactly. the way our government was founded, he showed that it only would take a short amount of time of legitimate effort to repair a lot of that damage, which I think is part of why they're pushing so hard to do more and more now. But it really, it feels like we really have to see them for what they're doing, but where do we go to for a solution that doesn't require violence at this point? Because that's not what I want. I, I don't want anyone perceiving a call for it, but I want people to be aware that it's very realistic if we don't change the the pattern that we're going now and we should have these stop gaps. Do we need a, a brand new convention of States? Do we need to uh, just clean house completely? Do we need to jettison all of the amendments to the constitution after the 10th and then start anew from there? Uh, is there a solution at this point other than just waiting for the nation to catch up with the 
the the issues with the current philosophy where we end up enslaved for some bit because that's the, currently the path we're on. I agree with you. That's that's the shadows of the Acropolis. That's where we've come to. Is exactly what you just stated. And the the solutions are many. There's legislative. There's judicial. There, a convention of straight states would be an excellent idea, so that the red states can explain why they believe in the Constitution, and the blue states can explain why they don't. Right? Why they believe in a redistribution of wealth. That's a you know these are main subjects that can be brought up. Why should the federal government be doing everything? Why can't the states take care of their own poor? Right? Why does the federal uh, government have so much power unto itself that it has 435 agencies reaching across the entire country with their, with their centralized power? These are basic questions of a republic that could be asked at a convention of states. But the solutions are many, and, and Heritage Foundation uh, is coming up with a plan as to what to do. That they're coming up with people who can run these agencies the day that Trump wins the presidency back. And that's a start. And what we need to do before that, if I may, is have a message election, a landslide election, an election where people are educated about what the real problem is here. And it is too much power concentrated in Washington. If we were to have that landslide election, it would be it would be a great sign. Well, you know, unfortunately, uh, with the level of manipulation of the elections, it seems to be getting harder and harder to get a landslide one way or the other. Uh, you have to win and, by 20 percent in order for them not to cheat well enough to win. Yeah. It's, it's really something. Yeah. Well, you know, so we've had such a fun, uh, positive conversation tonight, Richard. <laughs> I know. <it. laughs> Let me uh, give you an opportunity. Uh, Obviously, DNA of Democracy, great book, uh, Shadows of the Acropolis. Uh, these are must-haves. Do we have an update on the next one yet? Well, that's going to be called Dynamics of the Demos. I'm writing articles now, and I'll have a book of articles in a year. And another book coming out a year after that, which is a series of essays called Dynamics in the Demos, of the Demos. And it relates to how human beings uh, react in a republic and why it's important, how they react in a democracy. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to those as well. Uh, these are definitely yeah. uh, the information and the historical context and just the general knowledge we need to arm ourselves with. And we need to make sure that some of these younger people that are being indoctrinated into thinking that, oh, uh, everything about America is terrible, uh, we need to arm them with some facts, too. So they can't be so easily swayed. So thank you for everything exactly. that you're doing. Please let everybody know where they can find your work. Feel free to share any websites that you want to. And if you're inviting people to follow you on social media, let them know what handles and what platforms to look for you on. Okay, well, the books are available at Amazon.com, either by their title or my name. I also have a website, RichardCLyons.com, which has all my works. Uh, they're available and, and described and, and so forth. Um, so happy for anyone to come and visit. All right. Well, again, thank you again for uh, spending uh, 
a lot of quality time right here with us and having this conversation. Uh, you've got great insights. You've put in the time and effort in researching the how we seem to be repeating certain parts of history. And yeah. uh, I, I love the fact that you still have some optimistic, positive solutions. Uh, we just need to get to work on it, and we need to share that messaging. So, again, uh, thank you so very much. God yeah, speak to you. Knowledge, knowledge is first, and thank you for what you do, Tim. Well, Merry Christmas to you, sir, and I look forward to, to our you. next opportunity to get together. Okay, thank you, Tim. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Richard C. Lines. As is always the case, if you're listening to the podcast, I will have links in the show description uh, to all the various websites and uh, the books. Now, if you're going to BTR and you're listening there, typically I only have the sponsors links there because I have very limited characters. But if you go to anything that's from Spreaker or uh, elsewhere, you'll get all the links to their stuff and then all the other links that I put in as well. And don't forget to click on the links. Uh, it's good stuff for you. All right. Now, I need to clear the palate because this is a very negative conversation we're having, but it is important. And we need to have that important conversation because we are seeing something happen to Donald John Trump now in Colorado that is beyond unprecedented. Uh, the very question of whether or not he's ineligible due to insurrection, you know. I was on the other night, Tuesday night, and I discussed the fact that they've never been able to constitute that an insurrection occurred. They certainly have never charged uh, Donald Trump with anything involving that. So he's not been convicted, so there is no due process. We've talked a multitude of times about how due process has been thrown out the window. It's not welcome, according to the political left. Now, they will demand it. If it's they who are being accused, they will expect the presumption of innocence. They'll expect you to take into account their intentions when deciding to charge or not. I'm looking at you, Hillary Clinton. But when it comes to somebody on our side of the political uh, viewpoint, the political landscape, then it is simply enough that we would – challenge them, that we would ask a question, that we would seek some type of justification on their part for things that they're claiming. If we do just that little bit, we are an enemy of the state because they believe they run the state. Our constitutionally federated republic is only that on paper now. We don't live in that republic anymore. We live as Dan Bongino has been very clearly saying lately, uh, and by lately I mean for probably about a year and a half now, we are in a police state. Dinesh D'Souza, who made a movie about it, makes that point. We cannot continue down this path. And again, we have options that do not require violence. They don't require violence. Let's not go there yet, but we do I firmly believe, need to be ready to fight fire with fire. We need to make sure that they are held accountable when they break the rules. That they need to face the same consequence for the same action that they expect us to face when we do what they accuse us of. 
when they do the things that they're accusing us of, uh, number one, we already know that means that they're probably already been doing it, but they need to face the same consequences. They need to understand that when we say that no one is above the law, that that's a two-way street. We need to make sure that we hold these people accountable, and there is no limit to how strongly I feel that we can can we can do this, but we've got to stand together, and as Richard said, we need a landslide vote, one that's so large that there's no question and that no amount of jerry-rigging or mandering or cheating of any kind can ultimately change the outcome. I don't know if we're there yet, but I think we're getting closer. I hear more and more people that have been hardcore Democrats their entire life that are now starting to say, "Uh, this isn't right. I'm afraid things still aren't quite bad enough yet, but I hope, I hope that we get there soon enough to make the change before we face worst case scenarios. Okay, so you know, with that being said, uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> That's going to be it for tonight. Thank you so much for being here. As always, uh, my gratitude is it's, I can't put it into words how much I appreciate you being here. Meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Good night, everybody. See you again soon. using both hands Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Malami, and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Lessons to your daughters and sons To fear the government that fears your guns Now the new world order crew Well, they're making their demands They don't feel safe if you are armed You say gun control Is using both hands Three. 